Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated to helping sales development professionals get better at their jobs and push the practice of sales development forward. This is a place for practitioners in the trenches every day getting it done, whether they're called SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, or others. It's a team charged with creating pipeline out of inbound lead activities and outbound approaches. My name is David Delaney, and I'm the host of the Sales Development Podcast. If you've got subjects you'd like to hear covered on the show or guests you'd like to hear from, hit me up via email at david at tenbound.com or LinkedIn or Twitter, or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you found us. So I am um, honored to have a, a guest that many of you are very familiar with if you're in the space, if you're around the space, if you're not familiar with it, I've got basically the uh, the godfather of of our space um, and a uh, very influential individual who if you if you're not aware of this person um, um, I hope that this hope gives that you a <laughs> you're wondering who I'm talking about I'm hoping that this gives you a good overview um, I've got mr. John Miller on the line uh, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Engageo. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. So, John, um, you know, again, uh, looking at your resume before the the uh, podcast today, I, I got a little bit, uh, um, you know, o- overwhelmed. I guess um, you've been very involved in everything that you know. Everyone that listens to the podcast is uh, focused on here for many years, and I'd love it if someone out there, I, I'd be surprised, but they haven't heard of you or they're not familiar with your background. Um, could you take us through your um, background and how you got involved in the uh, sales development and marketing space? Yeah. So a lot of people are surprised to hear that my undergraduate degree is in physics. I studied physics. I actually did my summers, uh, summer internships at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab doing fusion research and uh, got into MIT for a PhD program in physics. But I wanted to try this whole quote unquote business world out. So I deferred MIT uh, and ended up getting a job in management consulting, which turned out where it was, you know, I enjoyed. So, you know, 20 years later, I haven't really looked back on physics, you know, but it's that, it's that analytical quantitative way of thinking, I think has served me really well through my career. I, I quickly ended up working on, you know, kind of what sort of you might call today CRM, right? But essentially you know, how can we apply all this massive data and intelligence that uh, we have about customers in order to make more relevant interactions with them? And I was really inspired by this book that came out in 1993 called The One-to-One Future by Don Peppers and Martha Rogers. And it sort of, you know, really, in a nutshell, talked about, you know, where at some point in the future, we'll be able to provide the same level of personal interaction that you got at the 1800s corner store, but we'll be able to do that at scale. And, you know, that analytical approach tied in well with my physics background. And so, you know, I spent the last 17 years or so working with various marketing technology companies, you know, in the or mid, you know, mid late nineties uh, at a company called Epiphany, which was, you know, one of the, the leading tech tech vendor, marketing technology vendors of the internet bubble. And then when Epiphany got sold in 2005, that's when Phil Fernandez and I kind of linked arms and said, let's get started with Marketo. Uh, and 
spent nine years at Marketo and started in Gageo uh, a little less than two years ago. So that's kind of the story, you know, marketing technology entrepreneur, highly analytical background and having a blast. Nice. I mean, that's, that's interesting because uh, I think that your background has lent to how marketing has changed a, a lot. I think you've been very influential in bringing marketing more into an analytical background through, through you know, the use of products like Epiphany, Marketo, and now Engageo. Um, I, I remember when I first uh, entered the workforce, it was all about blue pens and you know uh, going to trade shows and hoping that somebody threw their business card into a into a bowl. And <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's it's changed tremendously, and you've been right on the cusp of that, driving it really. Thank you. You know, I think I mean not just me, but you know, marketing. Um, and sales development have become much more rigorous measurement process-oriented disciplines. You know, and I think that's the inevitable trend. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, go ahead. Oh, I, like, I mean, look at like the finance department, right? You know, finance has a methodology. You know, it's called general accepted accounting principles, and it drives how people run that department. And, you know, finance is an older function than marketing or sales development is. You know, but it, the same trend is going to happen, right? We're going to have, you know, the best practices emerge and get codified and it becomes, you know, a real professional discipline. I think so. And I, I you know, I was just going to say the advent of Salesforce, I think, had a, a big influence on it as well in that, and not, not to date myself again, but when I first started, our CRM system was housed in the office, um, you know, and we only the sales reps within the office used it. And, you know, obviously when Salesforce brought it into the cloud, it, it suddenly unlocked, you know, a tremendous amount of information that could be shared and, 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 um, and data. So yep, a lot has changed. Um, I'm, before we move on, uh, tell me about your relationship with um, Phil Fernandez, another legendary individual in our space who wrote a great book, uh, by the way, um, revenue disruption, I believe it's called. Yep. Um, which is required reading for anybody who's listening to this. Sure. Well, you know, uh, Phil and I worked together at Epiphany, uh, which I mentioned was sort of a hot marketing company in the mid nineties. And we both left when that company was sold in 2005 and we, we started talking and we kind of had this shared vision, you know, which was, you know, essentially in a nutshell that, you know, marketing technology should be as easy to buy and easy to own and easy to use as marketing budget, marketing spending. You know, to put that mm. in, in slightly <laughs> longer, longer explanation, you know, as a category, marketing had never really taken off. And the reason why is because marketers don't have operating, or sorry, don't have capital budgets. They have operating budgets. And what I mean by that is they can buy ads and they can print things and they can rent hotel rooms for trade shows and all that kind of stuff. But typically there's no budget for investing in infrastructure in the marketing department or there wasn't, there wasn't at the time. And capital investments are actually expensed differently than operating expense. So the marketing department is this team with like really big operating budget, no capital expense. And the problem is in the eras, in the days before software as a service, um, all the software was a capital expense. So the idea of Marketo was just really pretty simple. You know, 
let's make marketing software that leverages software as a service to let marketers really feel like using this is operating expense. You know, or in the simplest way to describe it, marketing technology, you know, buying Mar Marketo should be as easy as buying Google AdWords. So that was the vision Phil and I had. Um, and we started then researching the market to figure out what we should build. You know, and sort of the whole category that's now come to be known as marketing automation kind of came out of some of that research. And there were other companies in the space, companies like Eloqua. Um, but we really thought that the, you know, the category was ready for, again, that easy to buy, easy to own, easy to use solution. Yeah, I remember um, as a sales rep, we were experimenting with something called, um, it was like Sales Genie or Sales, sales so, Genius. Sales Genius, right, right. And that, that came out a little bit before Marketo, and, and it just blew our mind that you could actually send an email and see if someone opened it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seems pretty rudimentary today. Yeah, and then, and then I, I remember going to uh, Glassdoor, and the founders were saying, hey, we're checking out this, this thing called Marketo. What do you think? And, you know, I flipped out as a sales rep um, because spending a lot of time prospecting and just having some visibility into you know, what people were doing with the, with the assets that we were sending and the, um, you know, the fireballs and the stars based on if it was a priority <laughs> lead. I mean, it was, it was mind boggling to have back then. So, um, you know, I can tell you from the sales side, it was pretty amazing. So, <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, I look at things now from a sales perspective as well, with what you're doing at Engageo, you know, salespeople always looked at a territory and looked at the accounts and sort of thought of things at the account base level. And um, I think with the advent of Marketo, it seems like we got into the lead generation model or the demand generation model. And now people are kind of shifting back and they're really interested in what you guys are doing, looking at accounts. So can you tell me a little bit about how you came up with Engageo and looking at things more from an account-based perspective? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as you said, at the end of the month, salespeople don't talk about how many leads they closed. They talk about how many accounts they closed. And the reality is tools like Marketo and Elko and HubSpot and so on are all very much lead-centered tools. And it's been this problem for the last 10 years or so where where marketing talks about leads and sales talks about accounts. And, you know, it's one of the things that makes it hard for the two functions to get along. Similarly, as a related issue, you know, in the last 10 years or so, marketers got really drunk on inbound, uh, you know, and, you know, we like, hey, I'm going to create a website and a blog and white papers and content. And all these leads are going to come to me. and It's going to be amazing. And the reality, you know, at, at Marketo, we had a really good inbound engine, you know, and we did drive a lot of revenue through that. But what I realized is that as Marketo tried to move up market and sell to the enterprise, those inbound tactics stopped working. And I came up with an analogy that I borrowed from Aaron Ross, which is, you know, the, the inbound model was like fishing with a net where it worked well when we didn't care which specific fish we caught. We just cared, did we catch enough total fish? But when you're going after the big fish, you know, you don't want to sit around and just wait for them to swim into your net. You want to go after them proactively, and that's much more like spearfishing. And that's where I realized there's an opportunity for a new kind of technology platform 
because systems like Marketo were really good at, you know, fishing, helping you fish with nets, but there wasn't really that core platform out there to help with fishing with spears. And so that's sort of what I wanted to engage you to be. Now, as an interesting side note, you know, I thought that that was going to be account-based marketing. You know, I call it, you know, we called it account-based marketing. But the more time I spent with it, the more time, the more I realized that this idea of fishing with spears, you know, that's as much a sales development thing as it is a marketing thing. You know, what it really is, is those two functions working together in a very tight, coordinated fashion. And so that's why... You know, just like Topo, we sort of stopped calling this whole thing account-based marketing. We started calling it account-based everything to recognize the fact that it's much broader than the marketing department um, and particularly to bring in the sales development team. That totally makes sense. You know, you, you think about how traditional silos are set up within companies and you've got the marketing team on one side and the sales team on the other and the marketing team is throwing up leads over the fence and the sales team is complaining that the leads are no good and things like that. And then you then, then you bring in the, the SDR function, which becomes sort of the connective tissue. But um, I, I think actually you said that it, the uh, accidents happen at the intersections, right? Because they're, <laughs> the connective tissue gets torn if they're not well-coordinated. Um, like if you hit a bad shot on the tennis court and you rip your knee open, right? <laughs> because um, the two functions are not coordinated and the SDR department ends up kind of uh, it, the redheaded stepchild in the middle. Nobody knows who it should report to. Um, should it go, should it report to marketing? Should it report to sales? What should they be doing? All that stuff. And it, it feels like to me, if, there was an account-based everything approach to it and a very well-coordinated effort that you could really, um, you know, drive efficiency within like a revenue model versus saying, you know, all the finger pointing that goes on. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of build on that a little bit, the, I, I think too much time is spent between marketing and sales development in particular, trying to figure out who gets credit for what. Um, you know, like, oh, marketing generated that deal, sales development generated that deal. The the bigger and the more complex the deal you're going after, the less you can give credit to any one person or thing. I mean, imagine like at the extreme, you know, let's say you sell massive ERP software and you do a five hundred million dollar deal at at Toyota. You know, can you imagine a marketer trying to stand up and say, oh, yeah, we got that deal because I sponsored that trade show over here? You know, like, no, that's not why you got that deal. You, know, you got the deal because your entire company worked together over a long period of time across a lot of different touches and interactions. And, you know, so ultimately, you know, in, in this account based world where you're going after the bigger, more strategic accounts, you know, there is no credit assignment. There isn't, this is a marketing deal or a sales development deal. It's all, this is an us deal, right? When we work together to generate this, you know, as a team, what we call orchestration ends up being so important. You know, how do you actually coordinate the dance of here's what I do, here's what you do, this is what happens, you know, at each point. The, the analogy we always talk about for that is the football, you know, play. You know, where you got the, you know, the coach goes to the chalkboard and does the X's and the O's. And says, okay, you're going to go here, then you're going to do this, and then he's going to throw the ball there, and then you're going to block this, right? And the play tells everybody what to do when and the way that you're not tripping over each other. You're actually working together as a team. 
And we think that's ultimately what companies need to do, is put together plays that orchestrate the interactions across marketing and sales development and anybody else who should be involved. You know, in order to achieve the goal, you know what you're trying, what you're trying to get done at the account. Yes, I I actually um, would recommend anybody listening to go on and and download some of the research that John and his team is putting together on account based everything. I remember there's an analogy in one of your publications about um, you know the different roles that people can play. And and you might recognize yourself uh, as one of the listeners. Like if you're SDR manager, you're playing a, a role within this, um, you know, sports analogy that that you just went through, John. Everyone's got a different role to play in putting together, you know, their the the strategy and and executing on it. Um, so I, I love the material that you guys are putting out. It's it's amazing. I mean, the quality is is great. And, um, you know, what I would, what I would love to, to hear too is, um, you know, say an SDR manager that, you know, they're, they're bought in to account base everything. They really get it. Um, they've got support from their executive. They, they want to put together a campaign, for example. Um, take us through, you know, where do we start? Um, you know, how do we lay out the strategy? And then, you know, even, on the tactical side, if they wanted to use some of the products that you were developing, you know, um, you know, take us through like a turbo version of, of that process, John. Well, I think this answers your question. Guide me if, if it doesn't, you know, I think you got to start by aligning on which are the accounts that you're trying to go after in the first place. Um, and, and frankly, that's a hard project for a lot of companies, you know, to, to really sit down and do the work to say, you know, to figure out, okay, we're, we're, you know, you know, these are the ones that we're working on. And which by the way, means these are the ones we're therefore not working on, you know, and the, the hard part is kind of who, you know, which accounts don't get the extra attention. The, you know, part of picking the accounts also involves tiering them because, you know, there's different levels you can do here. I mean, ultimately the goal is to be as relevant and personalized as possible in your interactions with your most important accounts. And you might have on one end of the extreme, your tier one accounts, where every touch is, in, is personalized, you know, and you actually take them completely out of your marketing automation. You know, and, you know, even if you're just inviting them to a webinar, that comes from a human, you know, that's sort of hmm. you know, personalized and reviewed. And it's worth it because these are the most important accounts. You know, and on the other hand, you might just have a list of, hey, these are accounts that we'd love to get. But we're not going to do anything really specific to go after them, you know. But we just want to be tracking and monitoring to see how we're doing. But, but generic interactions are going to be okay. So you might have accounts in multiple tiers between those two extremes. But getting those defined and aligned is your first step. Okay. Can I pause right there and just ask a quick question? Yeah. Okay. So what if you're you're in a situation where the sales reps all have territories, and the kind of traditional way that sales development teams are set up is um, a couple of sales development reps are assigned to, you know, three or four sales reps. And usually, I mean, out there, you know, in the real world, the whole account selection process is, here's my list of accounts in my territory. And, you know, you're my SDR, so I want you to call these accounts, you know? And, and so if you come at it from a more uh, analytical perspective from the top, some of the sales reps might be like, 
hey, how come you're not calling my accounts in this area, like I said? You know, that type well, of situation. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, so we well, the way we do it here at Engageo is that each rep gets a certain number of target accounts that are then ultimately you know distributed properly. So at least under that scenario, no rep, you know, is like, oh, hey, you're not calling my account, right? We're, you know, because they, they've got their, their accounts. You know, we do it that each rep gets... Uh, five tier ones, you know, which are like the, the most personalized, the most extreme, 45 tier twos, and then 130, I think, tier threes. And I personally think, by the way, that 45 tier twos is too many. Um, so we may need to kind of tighten that one up a little bit. You know, for us, the process is we've defined what we think the ideal customer profile looks like. Like, hey, our best customers look like this. And then we gave the reps a lot of data about all the companies in their territory. And then they're able to then, you know, look at those accounts and use their judgment about which the ones they want as their targets. And, you know, we asked the hard question, like if any, we call accounts, target accounts are in the danger zone. You know, if they pick any tar targets that are not kind of, we think part of our core ideal customer profile, they've got to justify why. Why is this a target account as opposed to one of these other ones that are in the core customer profile? And, you know, oftentimes it'll be because, well, you know, I have a great contact or I know people there or I've got some, I have some reason. And as long as they have some good reason for it, that's great. Yeah, I was going to say, I play golf with the uh, guy over there. You know, it's just like, okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's, that's why it's targeted out. I get it. So, and, and again, and that's fine. So that makes sense? Yeah, of, yeah, it does. And, and um, that's with the sales reps, right? They've got that number. Is that per quarter, per year? Until you change the territory, how long do you let them? Yeah. yeah. So there's a temptation for a lot of salespeople to treat their target accounts almost as like call down list. Uh, like, you know, all right, you know, we, we worked on them and they said they're not interested. So let's cross them off and move on to the next one. And, and that's not the right approach. The, this is a longer term strategy. And, you know, just because somebody says no today doesn't mean that you give up. It means, you know, you got to keep working it and sell value. So the way we manage it is every quarter we let reps review their list and they can make changes to up to 25% of the list, you know, and that allows the flexibility to let things come in and let things come out without a, you know, but, but also make sure that on average accounts are sticking around for at least a year. Got it. So they, they can't come in and say, I want to refresh hundred percent of my list. Cause I did a call down. I called everybody. Nobody's interested. Yeah, and exactly. It's like, come on. <laughs> right. Okay. So, okay. So you've got the, you've got the target account list, you know, nailed down, you know, the ones that you want to go after now take us into, okay, it's day one. Let's, let's start to work these accounts. Let's use Engageo, you know, Playmaker to start working on these. Yep. Well, before you even get to that, you know, I think it's worth doing some of the research about those accounts. Um, and again, this is going to vary by tier. But, you know, in some cases, you know, what does it mean to work an account? You know, it means that there's actually six different buying centers. And what you've got to do is you've got to map those different buying centers to understand who are the different places you could be going after. Frankly, even if there's one buying center, you got to make sure that you know who the key personas are, who the key people are. And make sure that they're in your database because the worst thing that kills an SDR's productivity is having to spend a whole bunch of time hunting and packing to just find the right people. 
you know, that's something that can be done much more efficiently at scale. So you, you, you know, you know, the buying centers, you got to know the people in the buying centers. And then ultimately, you, you know, you should have a clear view of what is your objective that you're trying to achieve at that buying center. Now, a lot of the time, the objective is get a meeting. <laughs> and the way that people pick their target accounts are often, well, here's all the accounts I wish I could get a meeting at. And that's okay, but I just want to point out that it's also perfectly reasonable that, you know, in an ABE strategy that you might have different objectives, right? Because maybe one of your target accounts is actually an existing customer and you're trying to expand that account or deepen the relationship. And that's okay. Knowing that many times people are trying to get a meeting, though, let's talk about that. So we've identified the buying center. We know who the key personas are. And now ultimately we want to get a meeting. So the first thing I'd do is I'd spend a little, you know, some time to kind of understand and research what can I say that's going to be really relevant and resonant at that account. You know, because the goal here isn't to send them some crappy generic email. You know, the goal is to actually engage with them in a challenge or sales style conversation in order to help them, you know, think differently about their business in a way that will compel them to want to make a change. So that, again, that, that's work. So it's research to figure out, you know, what commercial insight can I bring to, you know, to the table here. Now, again, it's a spectrum. For those tier one accounts, this might be a big project to really understand the messages that you're going to use to go after that account. For a tier three account, maybe an SDR spends five minutes, sorry, three minutes to find out three things, you know, that you're going to use to kind of personalize a message. But the key is to get that personalization the insight to lead to the personalization. And now finally you're ready to start your outreach. And, and, you, and, and you sort of laugh, you know, that like, oh my God, there's a lot of work leading up to this. But if you're doing this right, we're talking about the most important people at your most important accounts. And, you know, why would you want to risk them blocking you forever by hitting the spam button by sending them something generic and crappy? The, you know, we've only got so many shots at reaching out to these people. Let's take advantage of each one. Okay. Let me let me ask you something that you find a lot in more of an old school sales environment of, you know, there there's some research that has to be done um, on the personas to make sure that, that you get them into the database. If the SDRs have to do it, they have to do it. And then there's more research on the three by three to make sure that you're not just sending a generic thing. And over time, the sales floor becomes quiet. And, and, you know, you, you and I understand, like, these, these are professionals, they're doing their job, they're, it just doesn't involve, uh, like, a Wolf of Wall Street, you know, sales floor anymore. I mean, it's just, like, things have changed. Mm -hmm. But how do, you, how do you explain that to, you know, sales executives who came up in the Wolf of Wall Street days? Um, well, there's two pieces to it. You know, I think one is... Ultimately, helping them to you know, understand that we're in a world of quality and not quantity, you know, and, and try to try to help, you know, ask them, like, you know, what, you know, show me the last email you responded to, you know, or, you know, show me, you know, what, what, you know, when's the last time somebody reached you on the phone, you know, and what did they say, you know, try to, you know, help them understand, like, it's, it, you know, this is a world where relevance matters. So I think that's the first piece. And I'm not saying it's easy, but, but ultimately, it's a battle you got to win. Um, the other piece of this, I also think, just comes down to basic time management, right? And, you know, there's a time of your day that you should be spending making phone calls. 
right? And all you're doing is banging the phones. And there's a time of your day you should be spending personalizing, customizing emails, right? And then maybe there's a time of your day you're spending doing research, you know, and, and schedule your day so that you're doing each of those things at the most productive time, you know, i.e. don't make 10 a.m. to noon uh, your research time, <laughs> you know, for example. Um, you know, and so to a degree, you know, if you can set the time boxing up, then, you know, that old school salesperson say, hey, come, come by the floor, you know, at 1030 when everybody's on the phones. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Time out when he or she is walking by every day, and and (laughs) make sure that the team is is on the phone at that time, and then you'll be good. (laughs) That's a good idea. And and individually for for SDRs, I mean, time blocking is a great great way to uh, you know you modulate your energy too because your energy flows up and down throughout the day. So during the high energy time when you've got all your caffeine and you're really excited about the product and make all your calls. And then as things start to go down, block, t- block some research time. So cool. I love it. And, um, and then, uh, you know, real quickly, tell us about how the Playmaker product could, could support, you know, the tactical application, you know, now that we're ready to, to use. Yeah. That yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, let me give you an example of a play that we run that uh, was working really, really well. You know, for us, so it we 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 pick the target accounts and we kick things off by well, the first thing we do is we we run an approval by the account owner, saying, "Hey, just one last check, okay to to send to to send this campaign to that account." So they, they literally get a notification of Playmaker and they have to check, you know, they check that say it's okay. So as soon as that happens, we send a package to w- one of the key decision makers at the account. And the package has in it either signed copies of my books in like a hard, you know, physical paper form or uh, digital copies of the books on a free Kindle. So half the people get the books, half the people get the Kindle. We'll be experimenting which one works better. As soon as we set that package to ship, they get an email that is personalized that comes from the SDR that basically says, hey, just heads up, we got a package coming your way. So it doesn't sell anything. It just tells them to be on the lookout for the package. We get a notification when the package gets delivered. As soon as that happens, the next email comes saying, hey, glad you got the books. Hope you enjoy it. And in the package with the books, we also have six pairs of Engageo socks where we've written the name of five of their coworkers who are also key people that we want to be thinking about Engageo, um, including, so we're getting sales, their salespeople, their sales executives and marketing people. And yeah, we sort of say, Hey, by the way, you know, if you have a chance to distribute the socks to your coworkers, you know, and the goal is hopefully we're getting sort of a splash effect of sales and marketing talking to each other about Engageo and this whole idea, you know, and maybe, Maybe the marketing person keeps the ABM book and shares the sales development book with their sales development manager. Anyway, so the follow-up, you know, the, the, that email comes from the sales development rep. And again, it's, these are personalized emails. They're not getting the exact same template. So then uh, the next day we do three calls, you know, and we leave a voicemail on the last one if we don't connect. If there's still no response to live interaction, the next email actually comes from me. And it's like, hey, I heard from my SDR, their name, 
that we sent you copies of the books. Hope you enjoyed them. Insert something personalized and relevant, you know, and it kind of goes from there. Following from there, there's an in-mail step. Uh, there's another email from our head of sales, you know, that goes to one of their salespeople. And if none of that works, then it starts to kind of branch out into maybe talking to some of those other personas who maybe got the socks. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of steps in that play I just mapped out. A lot of people personalizing emails and sending different things. So Playmaker lets us just define that whole play in one place, hit go, and everything runs. And so when people have to personalize something, they get a task and they get notified they got to go do it. Uh, when people need to approve something, they approve it. When packages have to go, the right people get notified, all that kind of stuff. So it ultimately makes the right thing happen at the right time. That's mind-boggling. I mean, you literally replace someone walking around with a clipboard, like in a pencil, you know, like a, ba- a project manager. Um, well, that's some of the best uses of technology, right? Right. <laughs> that is amazing. And and I just want to know, how do I sign up to become a target, man? That sounds <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> become a CEO somewhere. No, that is great. You could see how that could transform an entire siloed, you know, uh, marketing, SDR and sales team and, and executive, right? Because it literally, it's a coordinated approach across all those different departments to try to yep. break into these accounts. And I think Amazing. the executive piece is definitely worth stressing for a minute here. You know, I mean, yeah, well, one of the things that we found is that if we want to get executives to come to a field marketing event, you know, like we held that sales development leader event last night. If you want executives to show up, they're not going to show up because some SDR invites them. Senior people show up at events because they get invitations from senior people. Period. Stop. And so, you know, the ability to use Playmaker for, you know, you to get an invite from Ray, our head of sales, is amazing. Or we're doing a dinner next week in Atlanta where the invites actually come from me. And again, these are not generic email blasts. These are every email is personalized, you know, and, you know, by a human. I don't have time, though, to personalize 70 emails. And so what Playmaker lets us do is the SDR can kick off the play customize the email, make sure it's going to the right person. And then I just get a quick task on my phone. I can like just look at the email. If it looks good, I swipe right. You know, and if I need to edit it, I swipe left and go change it. And that ability to work to bring your executives into the process at scale really increases your effectiveness. Oh, tremendously. I mean, I was at um, a company called OpenDNS for a while and our CEO would go out on a plane and, um, you know, go to the the intimate executive dinners, and it was a great source of networking and lead generation, but it was a huge task for us as the SDR team without that coordinated approach to be able to get people to show up. Um, We would always be biting our fingernails because, you know, we were in charge of getting, you know, 20 high-level executives to show up at these things. Um, It was all kind of on us, and we didn't have that tight coordination that you're talking about. So, yep. Yeah, that's great. And now um, you guys are just starting to go to market. Are there two case study that you can think of, of a customer that you've been working with for a while that, um, you know, you're, you're excited about, you don't necessarily have to name the customer, but somebody that's been using you guys and they, they've had uh, some wins. Yeah. uh, But just, just one. All right. Um, (laughs) Well, I don't want to keep you too long. (laughs) Well, so one of our customers, you know, it's a company called Version One that makes soft. They're based in Atlanta, and they make software for kind of agile 
software development, they identified a hundred target accounts. And, you know, so, so we're really talking about phishing with spears. And one of the first things they realized is a problem is that, you know, they did marketing. People came to their website. People would download content and things. But as you probably know, whenever that happens, you know, they use Marketo for their marketing. Those new people come in as leads, you know, and they get stored in Salesforce as leads. And leads don't have any tie to accounts, you know. And so an SDR who's working in the account has no visibility to these new leads coming in. And similarly, if an SDR is just looking at the leads, they have no context of who else from the account is already in the system. So the first thing version one used us for is just lead to account matching. You know, <laughs> take all these leads that are coming in and make sure they're tied to the right account so we can really under route them properly. And, and then once you have them tied together, they're able to track engagement. And so they're able to look at all the different uh, accounts, account signals, who's coming to the website, who's, send, who, who, who's going to sales meetings, who is responding to calls, who's sending us emails, you know, who, who downloads content, you name it. Bring all these things together and, they, and they're able to say, okay, at the account level, I'm able to see which of my accounts are engaging with us and which ones are cold. And then the SDRs use that information to prioritize their time, right? Because if you're going to be prospecting into target accounts, as much as, yeah, I mean, you're still going to be calling into cold relationships, all things being equal, you'd still rather prospect into the ones who know who the hell you are and have some engagement, you know, as opposed to the ones that are totally cold. So. Yeah. They, they, so version one started using us for this, this analytics and this, this lead to account matching engagement. And they're um, just getting started now on Playmaker to you know, run the kinds of plays we just talked about of like coordinating between marketing and sales development of invites to events, prospecting campaigns or prospecting plays, you know, you name it. So, so far, so good with that. I love it. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, it sounds like there's many more, um, but I don't want to <laughs> burn up too much of your time today. Let me ask you this. Coming up, new innovations, new things you're excited about, new things you're working on. You just launched the Playmaker. Um, you've got your captain club of your customer success captain's club that, that you just formed. Yep. Are there any two, you know, a couple of things that you're excited about that's coming down the line? Well, there's a ton of stuff I'm excited about. Um, you know, I think the, the product is much more than just a product for the sales development team. You know, it's a product for marketing and executives, even customer success people. You know, but the sales development function has some very specific things that they want. You know, so one of the things I'm excited that's coming up, for example, is an integration with a dialer. All right. So if you want to make the phone call, you know, boom, right from Playmaker, you hit the button, the call happens. You know, with local area dialing, uh, call recording, you know, all the features that, you know, you're going to want, you know, as, as part of a sort of an integrated sales development platform. So that's coming soon. And I think just, you know, better and better analytics to really understand, you know, which plays are working the best. You know, is it that email template or is this email template? You know, and which sales development reps are doing the best job of following up with people and getting human connections and getting meetings so, you know, just a, a bunch of really cool analytics around all those kinds of things. Yeah. So those are something coming up pretty soon that I'm excited about. No, I mean, that's that it's so huge trying to figure out what's working, what's not, what should we be doing more of? Um, you know, you really you're really in a fog a lot of the time in managing the program. So that's super helpful. And, you know, having the dialer built right in um, to the platform, it's it's uh, 
it's it, it's makes things much more efficient. So um, that sounds amazing, um, John. I think that everyone listening has learned a ton. I really appreciate you taking us through how the whole thing works, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that uh, it's just going to be much more success down the road for Gageo, and I can't wait to see the progress. So thanks for making the time today. Awesome, thank you.